Chapter 2 of Arona Troy, wake up, Drew whispered, softly nudging my right shoulder. We need some water. There's a stream down below. Come help me fill these bottles. Several of the wounded are thirsty. He tossed me some small, slightly crushed, empty plastic water bottles. I wasn't surprised he woke up me instead of Jack, who I could hear snoring right next to me. Though Jack was the shortest of the family, he was also the stockiest, and ill-tempered if woken from his slumber. Standing at about five foot nine and 180 pounds of pure muscle, he was quick to challenge any man who wronged him. After years of being picked on and bullied, Jack got into wrestling in high school. Now he could quickly take down a mound twice his size and keep him pinned. Troy, come on! I reluctantly opened my eyes. They weren't ready for the daylight, and I lifted my hand up to shield them from the sun. I had hoped it had all been a bad dream. I took a breath and was immediately hit with a terrible stench that smelled like a mixture of jet fuel, burnt metal, and another horrible smell. Then I had the sick realization that it was probably the passengers that had died on impact. The ones we didn't even bother trying to save because they were already dead and burning along with pieces of the plane. It was surprisingly quiet. I stood up and sharp pain shot through my body, but I noticed the gash on my stomach was crusty and dried over. I climbed up over the boulder we had slept next to and got my first view of our surroundings. It was not what I expected. Beautiful, large, dark green pine trees went on as far as I could see. They were huge, larger than the great sequoias I'd seen in Northern California. I looked down the mountainside and could see Drew up ahead making his way to a small creek that fed into a large aqua blue lake below. On all sides of us were towering, snow-capped, jagged mountain ranges that brushed the slow-moving clouds above. "'Can I help you guys?' asked an eager voice from behind. I turned to find a good-looking, blonde-haired man of about six feet, running to catch up to me, holding several empty bottles in his hands. "'Sure, that would be great. I'm Troy.' "'Hey, Troy, I'm Larry,' said the man in an American accent as he shuffled the bottles into his arm and reached out his hand to shake mine. You seem to be one of the lucky ones, I said, noticing he hardly had any cuts or bruises. Yeah, I was really lucky, he agreed somberly, looking down at his feet. My girlfriend's parents were both killed in the crash. She's really shook up about it. I bet, I said. We're on our way back to Johannesburg for a position she took at the university there. Her parents came to visit us in the States before we left. She begged them to come, even though they hate flying. She convinced them it was the safest form of travel. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that, I responded. I didn't really know what else to say, so I picked up my pace, trying to catch up with Drew. Where do you think we are? He asked from behind, hurrying to keep up. I'm not sure. This doesn't look like Africa. We should have been over the Atlantic somewhere, so this doesn't make sense. I I guess we have to be on some kind of island or something. I, I don't know. Looks like a big island. I'm surprised no rescue planes have flown over yet. They have to know we went down, and they had all night to get here. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I pulled out my shattered cell phone, which still didn't turn on. Larry watched me put my phone back in my pocket and said, Yeah, I can't get my phone to work either. I've tried a couple of others too, and my watch stopped working. I watched several people die last night from their wounds, and maybe they would have made it with medical treatment. Luckily, I found two survivors this morning who had some medical experience. They're doing their best they can with the supplies that we gave them. I think I'm going to go climb to the top of that little ridge over there and see what I can see. We've got to find help. 
I think that's a good idea. Drew, did you hear that? I asked as we approached the stream and started filling our bottles. Yeah, it's a good idea, replied Drew, looking up at the gray clouds. I'm going to start separating the dead from the others and making sure all the wounded have shelter before it starts raining again. This is Larry, I said. Nice to meet you, Larry. I'm Drew, nodding his head and greeting. You should take some of the other passengers with you when you hike over there. Yeah, good idea. I'll take my girlfriend, Allie, and a couple of the guys who slept next to us last night. I'll catch up with you two later. He finished filling his bottles and hurried back towards the wreckage. All that day, we worked to move the wounded under the different shelters to ensure their protection from the weather. We did the best we could to make sure everyone was taken care of. We also started to cover the dead. It was really difficult, as more than once, we had to take a dead loved one from a child. They couldn't understand and would cry and scream as we took away the only safe thing left they had. It started to rain again, lightly this time. I carried the last dead passenger over to the other bodies. She looked to be in her early 30s and had just died about an hour before from her wounds. That's 76 dead and 204 still alive, Jack said in a grateful whisper to me. I have no idea how many more are missing or unaccounted for. It's a miracle we brothers all made it. We were lucky to all be sitting on the left side of the plane. Most of the people that died were sitting on the right. When no one said anything, he continued. I think we need to try and move down by the lake. It smells like death up here, and we would be closer to the water. Yeah, said Drew. It stinks up here, and it's only going to get worse with these bodies. We need water, and it'd be a lot easier to see us from the air next to that open area down by the lake. We can make some big bonfires and try to fish. The food left over from the wreck is only going to last for a little bit longer. It just doesn't make sense. Shouldn't someone have come and rescued us by now? I said. Well, we can't worry about that right now. We've got a plan on being here for a while just in case, Drew responded. I agree, said Cubby. I think moving to the clearing by the lake is a good idea. Let's plan on it tomorrow, though. I can't. Cubby was cut off by a faint scream in the distance. It came from the direction Larry had gone. Then another one. We could barely make it out. Help! Help! Let's go, Drew yelled, picking up a sharp metal piece of debris and running in the direction of the screams. I chased after him with Jack and a few others in tow. We ran through a thick forest, my thoughts racing, trying to think of what we might find. If we were in Africa, it could be any wild animal. Help! Somebody help! Came the scream again. This time we could tell it was a man's voice, followed by a woman's screech. They were getting closer. A clearing came into view, and we saw a man and woman come out of the forest on the other side of the field running towards us. It was Larry and his girlfriend, Allie. Are you guys okay? What happened? I yelled out, hurrying towards them. They kept looking over their shoulders as they ran over to us, and I could see Allie was limping and Larry's arm was bleeding. No! Get out of here! yelled Larry. He waved his arms frantically. Run! Both their faces had a look of complete terror as they stumbled over their own feet in the uneven ground. Jack and I helped Allie while Drew and some others helped Larry. We ran as fast as we could, terrified that whatever had attacked them would catch up. Where are the others? I asked Allie, who continued to look behind us, hoping they would soon enter the clearing. Dead! They're dead! She cried out. We got back to the wreckage, and Larry hunched over with his hands on his knees, wheezing and trying to catch his breath. We were all waiting for him to say something. We were walking back from that peak... One of the other guys, Alan, no, Andy, I think his name was, he had to stop and tie a shoe. 
He was kneeling down when, when out of nowhere this gigantic creature just landed right on him. It bit half his head off before throwing him up in the air and leaping onto the other guy. Once he landed on the other guy, he just started... His voice broke, and Ella began sobbing. He was eating them! Right in front of us! He was just eating them! That thing was just eating him alive while he screamed out, said Allie, her voice breaking as she spoke. We just turned and ran as fast as we could. He didn't even have a chance. What was it? asked Drew. A lion, an ape, what? I don't know, I don't know, no! Allie cried, putting her face in her hands as she fell to her knees. It was huge, it was much bigger than an ape or lion. It looked almost like a cross between a bear or an ape or something, I don't know. What is that supposed to mean? Was it a bear or an ape? asked Drew. Leave her alone, snapped Larry. We don't know what it was. All I know is it just ate those two guys and it was like nothing I'd never seen. It just ripped them apart. Okay, guys, okay, it's alright, said Cubby. Why don't you two just go rest with the others until we figure this all out? He led Allie over to one of the shelter areas and Larry followed, a numb look on his face. Drew motioned me and Jack over. What do you guys think? he asked. What do you mean? I said. He means, do you believe her? said Jack. I mean, maybe she's just so scared it's a lot bigger in her head than it really was. Yeah, well, that doesn't really matter, I said. It doesn't matter how big it is. Something killed those guys. Yeah, and that thing could still be hungry and smell these dead bodies. We need to make some weapons and be ready. It could come tonight. If we're in Africa, then it could be all sorts of animals coming for us. We need to at least make some spears and try to keep some fires going so we're not sitting ducks, said Drew. Yeah, you're right, I replied. I bent down and grabbed a long stick from the brush nearby. I can start by carving one of the ends with this small knife I found in the luggage earlier. We spent the next few hours building up the fires and carving and handing out makeshift spears to the survivors that seemed like they were in good enough condition to help defend the camp. Some of them just started crying when we explained what was going on. This is the last thing they needed to hear. I found myself exhausted from the long day. Luckily, Cubby and Jack were going to take the first watch, so Drew and I tried to get some sleep. It was hard to relax with the constant moans and crying all around us. The stench of the dead and burnt bodies made me sick to my stomach. My mind raced with questions as I thought of what the night might bring. Where is our rescue? Are they not coming? What had attacked Larry and Allie? I had no idea. I only hoped tomorrow things would start to get better.